Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. Long division sure comes in handy. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. Just say no to family values. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic. I'm one of your co-hosts today, Pamela Bentley. And I'm the other co-host this afternoon, R.C. Westlowski. Now we Hi, say that like today and this afternoon, like there's different people next week, but it's uh, it's it's we are the co-hosts. And our guest today is Scott Ramsey. Hello. Hi. And uh, we always get our guests to start with a poem, so take it away. All right. Thanks. Uh, this is called the rut season. Uh, for those of you who don't hunt, including myself, it's where hunting starts. The rut season. I'm in a tree spying on my daughter with the scope of my rifle. She's hunting moose for the first time on her own. A hunter went missing recently, but she convinced me to let her go because it's her 18th birthday. And I bought her an Excalibur crossbow. She said she might even find the missing hunter. My crosshairs point to her hands, cupped in a prayer over her face. Her index fingers plug her nose and she bellows out the cow moose calls she's practiced for weeks in our backyard. For a joke, I've been using it as my ringtone because they are the loudest, most congested yawns you've ever heard. (laughs) But to a bull across the slough, hidden by maple trees bleeding autumn, each obnoxious yawn is a warm moan of carnal opportunity. Near noon, there is a grunt than the sound of branches snapping like kindling catching fire. A bull moose is thrashing through the bush towards my daughter who still hasn't picked up and loaded her crossbow. The moose comes into view backwards. His antlers seem to be caught in the trees. Steam lifts off his rump and the hair on the inner side of his hock stands up like needles. When he finally yanks his head free, I gasp because wedged in his antlers is the body of the missing hunter in the same orange jacket seen on the news. His limbs are splayed like branches, and each step the moose makes, the man's hands slap at the shadow of blowflies hovering like a ghost over his body. The moose smells the air and turns his head from side to side as though the man is his adornment, and each limb is his lock of hair. Then he notices my daughter, 60 yards away, with her foot and the crossbow stirrup, cranking up the string. The moose lowers his head, licks his lips, grunts, then charges her, splashing through the cattails. I aim at the moose's chest slightly above the heart, worried that if I shoot, my daughter won't trust me. She'll know I tracked her and camped with her last night, when I watched her by the fire smoking cigarettes stolen from my carton. While I'm deciding whether to shoot, she loads her bow, looks into the scope, and releases the arrow. The thwip of the string causes the bull to flinch and fling the body face first in the mud. The bull flees back into the bush. 
My daughter steps towards the man, but stops when she sees her arrow, camouflaged by cattail reeds protruding out of his back. She turns, hand over her mouth, and sprints in my direction, a hundred yards away. I stuff some leaves into the front of my hat to cover my face, and I try to slow my breath because now she's almost beneath me, gulping back sobs, forcing me to use all my strength to keep my face from falling apart in tears. She unzips her bag, takes out her cell, and paces back and forth, cursing her reception. Then, for a moment, she's silent, until my phone rings, loud enough to look up at me. Hmm... Wow, that's great. Oh, thank you. Sweet. And when that cell phone rang? Yeah, it was that moose. Yeah. The same moose uh, that he recorded her uh, right. practicing in his backyard. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What? Sorry? At the beginning, he said that his daughter had been practicing the moose calls, and he was using one as his call tone. So when he when oh. she rings him, then he hears that. Yeah, we were, you thing. were, RC was busy because he was trying to fix something on the board. So well, you guys have a new place here. Lots yeah, of we're getting used to the new studio. Yeah. So have you seen a moose before in the wild? I have. Yeah, um, I've lived in Nova Scotia and Ontario, and you know. Um, Especially because I've driven across Canada a couple times. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you're up near Wawa and Sault Ste. Marie and it's dusk out, then you have to be quite careful um, because when you do see the moose, you see how huge they are. It's, it's, when you see them, like, you think it's an elephant almost, yeah, the size of them. Yeah. And actually, I remember seeing um, a dead moose... Uh, driving to Nelson and it was on the side of the road and uh, the antlers were kind of sticking up and I, I think it was rotting a bit but it was kind of dark I couldn't see and even lying down the moose seemed yeah is that where you got the idea of having a, a hunter caught in its uh, antlers or caught, caught in its yeah no I, I was yeah I was thinking about um, you know when you look at pictures where you see the moss hanging off right off their antlers because yeah. they, they thrash them about to try and get interest like I'm available you know <laughs> and uh, I was thinking what if it was actually like a, a body that was cut there you know and yeah. caught there and their arms were flailing around I love that yeah. line where the moose turns his head as though the body is adornment like mm -hmm. he's put this body as earrings in his or, or yeah well because I, I was reading a lot about about this I I, I I had to learn about hunting and crossbows and stuff and I learned that yeah that's what mooses do they they put stuff in their really yeah they put stuff <laughs> in their uh uh wait a second is it horn antlers yeah and um and they 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 use it as like you know look at me i'm looking good today wow yeah so they're like humans yeah yeah that's right that's why i'm wearing moss on my hair <laughs> yeah it yeah. looks good on you too. Yeah, thanks yeah, yeah, yeah it goes well with your new haircut yeah uh yeah well i like to I tuck it over my, you know, in my ear. Did you get your haircut just for your first time on radio? Uh, no, I got my haircut because, uh, <laughs> you know, the longer it goes, the more gray shows. So ah. I, I, I like to cut it around the sides sometimes to like <laughs> chop off that silver. Now that sounded like, uh, so that was something you just researched and then created because it sounded like it was based on an actual uh, yeah. news event to me. Yeah, no, it was just, um, yeah, it was just based on, I guess, my imagination. And, and then, uh, so I had the, I had the, um, the idea, but I wanted to make it as, as real as possible. And then that's when I would 
you know, luckily we have the internet where I could yeah, really yeah. search. And then uh, there's a guy I work with who's a hunter. Mm. So um, I started asking him about, you know, what's the actual sound of a crossbow? Because I was trying to YouTube it right. and I couldn't quite. And we were discussing it and he said it's a thwip. So I was like, okay, a thwip, That's a great you know? word. Yeah. yeah. Or research comic books because they've got that. They, yeah. All the sound. <laughs> That's right. The yeah, is up there. You'd have yeah. to know which superhero uses a crossbow. Do you know? Green Arrow. There you go. I knew you'd know. Mm. <laughs> Hawkeye. <laughs> Anymore? Uh, those are the ones I can think of right away. And you do have a daughter. I do have a but daughter. But she's not 18. No, she's uh, right now in bike camp, pedal heads. <laughs> it's a plug for pedal heads. Yeah, she's at bike camp right now. And uh, my son, who's here um, watching Finding Nemo, uh, he was supposed to go with a friend in their little carriage back, but right. he decided against it. And I knew he was going to say no because, you know, that song... Um, I like candy. Then. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was singing that, but instead of saying, I like candy, he was saying, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, uh. Did he know that his option was to come to the radio station? Do you think that swayed him? Um, no, I, I, he just, I guess he just likes me. You know, Aww. he just likes me. <laughs> or he likes napping in the car with me or right. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing I liked in that poem, and it, it kind of caught me off guard, is that at the end when they pull their cell phones out, while being in the wild yeah. and you know she's cursing that she can't get reception to it mm. but uh, I'm just curious is that sort of incongruity is that something that you like to play with or think about in your work or right um I like to uh well I like to think about think about things and you know when I'm like say putting the kids to sleep and I'm just lying there I like to think about what would actually happen and what would this daughter really do and and I think from their relationship I think she, at some point she would call the father mm -hmm. and and I thought well would he have his cell phone off or on and I thought you know he would probably have his cell phone on because um, you know he still lives a life outside of uh, being in the wild and hunting and following his daughter he still yeah. has that life so he'd have it on yeah the first, that was the first thing I ever heard you do at an open mic. And um, again, I was struck by the ending because you have this, that moment where you say, am I going to have to shoot? Or the character, the narrator right. says that I'm going, am I going to have to shoot? And then my daughter will never trust me again. But you're like, you might have to shoot to save her life, but then she'll never trust you again. Yeah. And you get through that moment. And so you're like, oh, good. He didn't get discovered. And then... The f cell phone gives them away, but then That's you don't right. tell us what happens. You don't tell us if she's relieved that the father's mm -hmm. like, you just leave it. And a lot of people just, I mean, that's that to me is a talent, leaving it at a point where, yeah. Right. Well, I guess, you know, the climax had already taken place and that was, you know, what, what I'm, we're going to have. I didn't want to like have them driving back home. And also it, I wasn't quite sure what they would do with this dead body right you know would they drag it out of there right. would they try and cover it up would people think that she actually killed the man because it's her arrow right you know would i don't mm, so yeah. i it created it was like opening another can of worms to think about what would happen next and i just like the i just wanted to cut it off there where she was calling and then thinking about what she she'd look up at him and he'd look down and be like 
hi. On the phone or just... Yeah, that's right. Oh, you were... (laughs) (laughs) You'd answer on the phone, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, and that was what I also... I think I asked you after I heard that. um, I went to you and I said, is that the beginning of a novel? Or was that a poem? Mm -hmm. Or was that part of a series? Like, I wanted to know... I kind of wanted to know what happened next, right? Well, there's a a second part I could could read. Yeah, let's hear it. And um, this is... um, this is the man's uh, who was on the antlers. This is his will. Oh. Okay. okay. So. So in the event of my death, I ask that my skull be placed inside our fish tank. I enjoy the thought of our goldfish swimming in circles where my brain used to be. In the event of my death, I ask that my body quickly be brought to a rock concert. I've always wanted to crowd surf. <laughs> In the event of my death, I request my fingers be planted in our garden. I want those seeds to germinate new fingers, growing knuckle by knuckle, until their tips bloom petals that leave perfumed fingerprints on my children's noses. In the event of my death, I ask that my heart be worked into my baseball mitt. I want it thrown at Olympic Stadium. I want it to splatter a sign of red protest against the Expo's departure. In the event of my death, I'd like my torso flown to Kenya wearing a khaki vest. Upon arrival, I'd like it strapped with luggage to the top of a van leaving on a safari. Finally, toss it in front of a pack of hyenas for them to picnic on. In the event of my death, please don't cremate me. It's too much like hell coming true. And don't place me in a cemetery where... I'll only fertilize grass, which gets mowed. I want my body put to work, and I hope people are right when they say after death, we don't feel a thing. Great, thank yeah, you. thanks. Yeah. What do you call that one? Uh, in the event of my death. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I like the, uh, the old uh, Olympic Stadium, the Expos reference. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I kind of miss the Expos. Um, and I wear their jerseys sometimes. And I get a lot of high fives when I wear mm-hmm. their... Yeah, I think there's a lot of nostalgia for them uh, still because of, of the way it ended and the way they ended up uh, leaving and the strike and everything like that. So That's right. Um, I was... You know, well, you know, I think it's a weird nostalgia because people didn't go see the games. Yeah. <laughs> but then they have this nostalgia that they wish they could have actually possibly gone to see games or probably not gone it's to like see games. Like now they would support them if they were around, but when they weren't, they... That, that's right as much yeah yeah i went to a, a few games and it was pretty fun i think you know popcorn beer etc i think occasionally yuppie is, who is the mascot for the expos yeah. is at the canadians game games I yeah think they get him in there once in a while yeah there is a connection because um there's this guy a player named tim Raines, who yeah. played a long time ago and uh he was at uh canadians thing uh, last year no so. i meant that sorry i meant the montreal canadians oh i think yuppie is the ma- as a oh really they're at oh. the, every once in a while but i know the vancouver canadians yeah reigns is the hitting coach yeah as sort of circles through the, the mm-hmm. minor leagues for the J- blue jays that's right yeah yeah so you you like baseball wow. too oh, yeah. <laughs> that's impressive i'm yeah. like whoa what just happened here <laughs> <laughs> i like baseball too but i like to play it 
Yeah, Pam doesn't like sports too much. No, not pro sports. But, yeah. well, I, but I do ball, remember so. I do remember the expos from when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I think you're right. It was like this kind of, they were sort of like Canadian uh, Canada's team, right? We had this affection for them. Even if you didn't live any, I grew up in Alberta, so you mm-hmm. didn't, even if you didn't live anywhere near. <laughs> yeah, well, people like to root for the underdog, and they were often Usually, losier, yeah, often yeah. the underdog, yeah. yeah. And it's better than the Toronto Blue Jays, so. That's right. Yeah. Although Blue Jay is having a big revival now. I see yeah, all the people like with their caps. Yeah. Black caps. Black on black. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of people <laughs> like the Blue Jays. I just don't. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that the farm team for the Canadians was here. I mean, I didn't know that there was a team called the Canadians in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And is it the farm team for? The Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. 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 So That's pretty, pretty fun, actually, to go. Um, there's an area for the kids to jump around and a place for... People have their hot dogs. And, yeah, I used to you know. go to ball games. I used to go to ball games in Ottawa, the mm. team that was there quite often. It uh, the Lynx. Fa- yeah, yeah, it wasn't far from my house. It was fun. Oh. It's like a big outing. And his you know? minor leagues are a lot are They lot are. Fun, you know, because there's always something goofy going on. Well, usually major leagues too, but mm. there's always something silly going on in between the innings or in between the, the teams switching over, whether it's, you know, the some goofy mascot race or... Or, you know, kids running around with their nose on a bat trying not to fall over or, or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just much more fun. It doesn't seem quite so rich people-ish. Yeah, and yeah. Well, they're not yet. Yeah, there's $50 one, tickets. Exactly. That's, well, that, that makes, makes a difference, right? Yeah. That's one of the reasons I don't like pro sports. But I know one of my favorite movies is Bull Durham as well. So uh, I'm, I'm, I have affection for the minor leagues. Yeah. <laughs> so let's hear some more of okay. your poetry sure. or um, writing. Do you, do you only write poetry or do you do I uh, prose yeah. Well? Well, I, I used to like to write screenplays, um, and and then I started... Well, I was at UBC, and then this... Um, I read this poem that was at... Uh, I read this poem that was at this um, this UBC, UBC magazine, and I can't remember exactly, but someone was talking about a necklace with a, a pendant or, um, you know, a jewel that he would carry around and it, it was uh, you know his memory of this woman or something and i really liked it i was like oh i like poetry i'm gonna mm-hmm. try writing that and then i started i kind of stopped writing screenplays and i started writing yeah poetry but i'll read this one cool. um uh, this is called uh, three poems crumpled into snowballs mm-hmm. okay and uh, the first one is called ballet tracks A girl guide troop tracks footprints through the woods until they creep upon a clearing where a herd of escaped shivering ballet dancers huddle together, barely visible, wearing white tights and tutus in a snowstorm. The girl guide leader, born in England, schooled in Winnipeg, pulls out her spyglass, extends it, and peers through. The dancers are twirling, stretching, and lunging to keep warm. The leader lifts her hand above her beret, demanding silence. When the troop is quiet and can only hear the snow being kicked up by pirouetting, frostbitten toes, she makes a fist to signal it's time to make snowballs. Then she opens her fist to signal the attack. The next part is called toques. You're gazing at the northern lights, while an Inuit family waiting for a seal to surface sits beside your frozen body. Your toes are lit like muktuk candles. Your tongue lies on the snow like a toboggan. 
They build an igloo over your face and their sled dogs tear apart your red parka. One man peers into your belly button, raises an icicle like a spear, mistaking a ball of lint for the top of a toque worn by a surfacing seal. And the next one is called hypothermia. I'm trudging through the forest. My parents expected me home an hour ago, but I'm a secret agent who's parachuted in to assassinate the enemy. This is no time for curfew. My numb fingers salute a plane, soaring to drop snowmen on enemy headquarters while I dig out a den to hide in, reinforce its walls, punch a hole to peer through. I see my boot prints disappearing in the storm. I start packing impeccable snowballs. I use my bare hands to smooth them until they're ice. Mild. I'm shivering and considering heading home, but I decide to make more snowballs, knowing my patience will be rewarded when I nail my enemy in the back of the head with a comet of ice. Moderate. I'm rocking back and forth on my back. My body is taut, and I'm worrying about my dad's punishment for being so late. I try to stand, but stumble and fall, then forget what I was doing. I push myself up, look through the hole, and see the night has eaten all the shadows. Severe. I can't feel my lips, and my breathing is slow, but my hand still cups a snowball, which crumples when I put it in my toque. Paradoxical undressing. I'm fumbling with the snap of my snow pants and I pull them down to my wool socks. I fall over rigid. Outside the den, death is trudging in snowshoes towards my labored breathing. Further than the sound of death is the sound of my father with a flashlight bellowing my name against the wind. Terminal burrowing. Death glares through the hole in my den. It sees me clutching my knees to my chest. It sees my last ember of warmth wavering. Death slides through the hole, then wraps its fingers around my throat and squeezes my pulse so slight it is in tune with death's own. I slowly take the hidden snowball from my toque, then push it down death's back. There is a blinding pupil of light peering at me through the hole. I hear my father pleading for me to take a breath which will stoke my life back into flame. Wow. It's Quite very vivid, cold. Yeah. yeah, it's very cold in here all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah lots of lots of cold wow. fall ice poems, yeah. I like the the moments of uh what I don't I mean I don't really know what magic realism is, but mm. what I uh, assume it is like, you know, the planes dropping snowmen onto the onto the landscape. I think just that kind of imagery I mm-hmm. really captures my imagination. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about um you know, what would a, a kid think about, you know, if they're waiting there and you know mm-hmm. like when you're a child and you're out in the woods whether it's in the snow or in, in the sand dunes or wherever and you're you're making up your own worlds and you know when they see a plane go by how would that plane going by um be connected to the world they're already creating mm-hmm. and so i was thinking that yeah a plane for this kid would yeah he's dropping snowmen mm-hmm. and balls yeah on on the enemy yeah yeah when, when you were a child, maybe the age of the people that you're writing about in your mm. poem, were, was your imagination that active? Can you recall? Like, were you 
inventing stories or playing you know games of you know and worlds and all i mean some kids do and some kids don't what yeah what was your um, experience like you know when i wasn't following my brother around while he was making up war games um i i was at home uh like i would write stories and stuff and uh actually my parents you know, sometimes parents give their kids their old, like, writing book. And I think mine said at the beginning, uh, don't open without permission, but without, like, W-H-I-T-H-O-U-T. And then I, I realized that I spelt it wrong, so I crossed out the H. And uh, and then I put my phone number in it. I don't know. Maybe if someone, <laughs> so if someone found it, they could call home. I found your writing call book. Call for your permission to open Yeah, yeah. Can, <laughs> can I have your permission? <laughs> Uh, but then I guess they would have already opened it, and then uh, you know I would have attacked them with snowballs. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think I had a, a pretty um, vivid imagination. But I think it, you know, it really started blooming um, after high school, mm. when when um, I don't know, you just spend more time on your own, and, and you start reading books um, that you might not be suggested to read in, in school, and yeah. Well, and your brain's also in a better, like it's in a fuller state of development, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, also, we don't have much time left, but also mm -hmm. just thinking now, you mentioned you had been writing screenplays, mm -hmm. and um, and because of all the imagery that you've got in a lot of your poems that you've read today, mm -hmm. uh, do you find that you're your work as doing screenplays has influenced your style of poetry? Um, I would say uh, more than anything, it's actually uh, taking photos. Oh, okay. And so if I'm not writing, I'm probably out at night taking photos. And so it's, um, yeah, I, it usually starts like with an image. And then you, from that image, you kind of try and build a story from it. And yeah, I'm always trying to like, piece things together uh like i was walking around um stanley park with a friend and we were watching the moon and i was saying to him you know i i spent so long trying to think of a new sort of metaphor for the moon that hadn't been done before and yeah so just trying to create that one image did you come up with one well i did um i don't <laughs> know if it is original but um i thought of it like you know like a quarter moon Mm -hmm. is kind of like the uh, the toenail of the big toe of God sneaking oh. out the <laughs> covers of night. I've yeah. heard it called the fingernail moon, but not the no, toenail No, 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 I want to, and, <laughs> and it's also the, the color of nicotine, so I gave it a little extra, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bunion up there in the sky. That's right. You've been listening to Scott Ramsey, who's our guest today on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM, and the program is Wax Poetic. And we're pretty much out of time. Um, there's a couple of things coming up uh, that I know of. On uh, Sunday is the Dead Poets Reading Series oh, cool. uh, at 3 o'clock at Vancouver Public Library. It's at 3, right? You did the last one, so you probably know the, the time. Um, and it's downstairs. Uh, you can never see RC doing this, but when I ask him questions and he doesn't answer, he's just doing this sort of look like, I don't know, Pam, you're on your own. I'm you not going to help you. Yeah. Don't ask me. I'm not going to help you out. <laughs> so um, it's Dead Poets reading this weekend, and it's usually five people reading dead poets and talking about their work and maybe what they often have a connection to mm -hmm. that writer that they've they've chosen to read. Um, so that's this Sunday. And then Monday night at Slam... The feature is... Jillian Christmas. Right. 
uh, this this uh, Friday happening at Merge, which is a new performance space, so relatively new, uh, basically right at the corner of Clark and Powell. You can ring the bell for uh, getting admission into Merge. Uh, there's going to be music, but also a uh, spoken word by Chris Gilpin and Emily Nimitz. They will be performing solo as well as uh, their new duo, which I think debuted at a Kitchen's Chicken Sessions show. And uh, they'll be performing. And the show, I think doors are at 930 and the show gets going around 10 o'clock and they'll be up first. And on Sunday evening at Slickety Gyms, Fernando Reguero Almeida, who was our guest last week, and myself will be performing uh, for a couple of hours doing a mixture of, you know, spoken weird and spoken word. So if you can, check out Slickety Gyms this Sunday starting at uh, 830. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that was going on. I'm going to be away for the weekend, so I'm going to miss all I was there for brunch stuff. the other day. I yeah. love that Very place yummy. for yeah. brunch. Um, and then um, I can't remember what I was going to say next, so That's we'll okay, just wrap it up and say thank you very much for being our guest today, Scott. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah it was a real treat to get to hear your stuff. I had I heard a little bit at the, uh, I always want to call it kitchen, chicken sessions, yeah, chicken sessions. Uh, the other day, so it was nice to hear a longer uh, assortment. I appreciate you guys inviting me down. So uh, that's it for Wax Poetic. Uh, we're going to end it with a little bit of music as we do not have our extra. We'll have it next time. I'll remember. We will. We will. And our guest next time will be Susan Musgrave. That's what I was going to say. Ah, that's pretty exciting. It is. That's uh, cool. So, yeah, I'm R.C. Weslowski. And I'm Pamela Bentley. No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO, 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what?